Lord Jesus, we do pray that you would give us the grace to follow you and to become more like you and use your word this morning to help us in that process. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. When I was in seminary, I had the privilege of working at a church where the meanest man ever born attended. He was very mean. If new people came to the church, he would complain that the church was too crowded and he would ask them to leave. Seriously. He refused to give any money to the church unless we promised that we would not use that money to help out poor people because he didn't like poor people. One day he yelled at me because I used the word stuff in church. I mean, he had an issue, I guess, with the word stuff. And the music. Oh, don't even get him started on the music. It was always too much of this and not enough of that. He was the meanest person ever born. But as a colleague of mine points out, what was shocking was not so much that he was mean, but that after a lifetime of going to church, he hadn't changed. And more shocking still, nobody was surprised that he hadn't changed. (laughs) Nobody was bothered by the fact that this man hadn't become more like Jesus. Nobody said, what's wrong with our church that this could happen? How did this happen in our midst? No emergency meeting of the elders was called to study the strange case of a man who'd gone to church his whole life and never been transformed. There was no expectation that following Jesus should have resulted in Christ-like character. This winter we're talking about what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus and surely one of the things it means is that over time, we will become more like him. We'll take on some of his characteristics, like love, especially for people who are outcasts, or joy, even in hard times, or courage to do the godly thing. Following Jesus means that we are transformed to become more like him. Now, I think that's something that all of us want. Nobody wants to be a mean, nasty person, right? I mean... You ask a little kid, what do you want to be when they grow up? None of them say grumpy. (laughs) Or, I want to worry all the time. Or, I want to fixate on things that don't matter. I want to be consumed by materialism. Nobody says that. We all want to be better people. Deep inside, all of us are praying, Lord, help me to become the kind of person my dog thinks that I am. So how do we do that? How do we become more like Jesus? The verses we read this morning give us a great blueprint for transformation. And let me just walk through this verse phrase by phrase. It starts by saying, Therefore, by God's mercies, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now that first word is very important, therefore. Whenever there's a therefore, find out what it's there for. Because it's a response word. And what we're responding to is God's love, God's mercies. Paul has just spent the last 11 chapters of Romans talking about how much God loves us. And he says, in view of all of that mercy, by the power of all of that love, offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God. And his point is simple. What changes us, what transforms us is not rules. It's not a guilt trip from some preacher. It's the love of God. The first step toward becoming a transformed person is to truly experience God's love through prayer, through reading scripture, through coming to worship, through experiencing it by the ways other people love us. 
Our first task in becoming changed people is we've got to connect to Jesus so that we can know his love. And that gives us the power to take the second step in our transformation process. To present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's a weird phrase, isn't it? Present our bodies. Why, why are our, our bodies? That, that doesn't seem very spiritual. I mean, bodies are weird, right? But bodies have bad breath. They gain weight. They lose hair. Why can't I just give God my mind or my soul? That seems so much more sanitary. <laughs> but I think that's part of our problem. We're not transformed because all we give God is our thoughts and our feelings, maybe, but not our bodies. And to truly be different people, we have to respond to God's mercy with everything we've got. Not just our thoughts and our feelings, but our hands and our mouth and our eyes and our feet and our voice, our whole lives. That's what changes us. Let me give you an example. The person who has loved me better than anyone is my wife. She met me after I was coming out of a bad relationship, feeling wounded and worthless and guilty, and I'd walk around all the time saying, stay away from me, I'm poison to women. And couldn't figure out why I couldn't get a date. <laughs> and she came along and she said, oh, you're not poison to women. You make a few of them queasy, but you're not poison. It's not that bad. And in her eyes, I am the smartest, wisest, most handsome man in the world on several days a year. And all of that has given me a new lease on life. And how do I want to respond? I want to respond not just with my emotions, but with my whole life. If all I did was sit around and think nice thoughts about Christina and feel some nice feelings about Christina one hour a week on Sunday morning, that really wouldn't be a very good response to what she's done for me. In fact, the only way I could respond that way is if I really didn't understand how much she has loved me. But when I do understand how much she's loved me, I respond not just with my heart and my thoughts, but with my deeds, my actions, my whole life. Just one example, one small example. In our family, I do the dishes after dinner. And that's not because I'm some kind of genetic mutant who happens to like doing dishes. I don't. But I know it makes her life easier. And I want to do that for her, not out of guilt, not out of obligation, but out of gratitude. I do the dishes for her. And I just want to apologize to any of you men who right now are feeling your wife's elbow in your ribs saying, the pastor does the dishes. Apologize. In view of Christina's love for me, I respond. Not just with my heart, but with my hands, my feet, my whole life. And when we say to God, Lord, in view of everything you've done for me, take my hands. Instead of using them to make a lot of money for myself, Lord, you use them to build a school in the developing world or to hug someone who needs to know that you love them. Lord, take my mouth and instead of lies and gossip coming out of it, use it to praise you and encourage others. When we say, Lord, in view of all you have done for me, here's my whole self, then we become transformed people. Which brings me to the third step in our transformation process. We connect to Jesus, we give him our whole life, and then the passage says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your minds. The Greek words here are interesting. The, The word for conformed is schematomai, which is the word we get scheme or schematic from. In other words, don't let the world schematize you. Like a cookie cutter, don't let the world make you the same as everybody else. Instead, be transformed. And the Greek word there is metamorphu, from which we get metamorphosis, as in a caterpillar that becomes a butterfly. In response to God's love, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but let God mold you from the inside out. You see, we're all being formed by something. The question is, are we being conformed or transformed? What's forming you? Is it the culture all around us pushing in on us? Or is it God molding you from the inside out? You know, we've all heard the statistics. By the time we're adults, we've seen thousands and thousands of images of sex and violence on television. By the time we're 21, we will have seen 300,000 commercials that argue that the point of life is personal gratification and to consume. And all of that conforms us, pressures us, squeezes us into the world's pathetic mold of what it means to be human. And what Paul is saying is, don't let the world do that to you. Push back. As Flannery O'Connor puts it, we have to push back against the age that pushes on us. Push back. So in a world that tells us that we're not admirable unless we're busy, we push back by obeying God's commands to take one day a week for rest. Not for chores and soccer practice, for rest, to connect with God and family and be in community. In a commercial world that tells us the highest aim in life is to consume, we push back by giving some of our money to God's work so that we can't consume as much. In a world that tells us that getting ahead should be the most important thing in life, we push back by giving our time to serve others. Don't let the culture push you around. Don't let the culture bully you. Push hard against the age that pushes on you. In view of God's mercies, we present our bodies, our hands, our feet, our lives, our minds to Him as living sacrifices so that we can be transformed, not conformed. Let me give you just three practical steps, three practical things that we could do between now and Easter to help us in this journey of transformation. Three things. The first is this. we got to know Jesus. There is no way that we can do this without Jesus. We've got to know him. He's the only one that can give us the power to do this. So spend some time between now and Easter connecting with Jesus in prayer, in Bible study, going to church, being with people who point you to him. The second thing, we need to renew our minds This verse says that the way we'll be transformed is by the renewal of our minds. What that means is that with all those TV shows and movies and magazines and commercials putting thoughts in our head, we need to be sure we're spending time gaining the mind of Christ. Again, by reading the Bible to to learn to think like he thinks. And to be around people who can remind us of how Jesus thinks. And to come to church so we can focus on Jesus. Renew our minds. Lately, one of the things that I have slipped into is the joys of channel surfing. I just love to flip. I never watch anything. I just love to flip through. It's a male thing, I think. Just, wow, there's another channel. Maybe the next one will bring me nirvana. 
Well, we've decided that that's not a... I don't have very much spare time to start with, and I, that's not a very good use of it. So Christina and I have made the ultimate sacrifice. We disconnected the cable. I know. Some of you are pale with horror at the thought of it. <laughs> yep, cut it off. Even ESPN. Gone. So that we can renew our minds. Spend that time together. Or with friends who point us to God. Or, or by reading things that will refresh us and, and help us to know God better. Who knows? Maybe I'll get some new sermon ideas and y'all will benefit from my terrible sacrifice. <laughs> Between now and Easter, let's renew our minds. And third, go to Galatians 5.22 and look up the list of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know, the list. And pick just one of those characteristics and practice it between now and Easter. Because while it's true that Jesus gives us the power to be transformed, he's not going to do it for us. That would make us robots. He wants us to play a role. And the role we play is to practice some of these characteristics. Like an artist or an athlete or a musician that has to practice, we need to practice some of these characteristics. So just pick one. Just pick one and work on it between now and Easter. If you want to develop patience, practice it. Maybe by deliberately driving in the slow lane. Yeah. Or deliberately choosing the longest line at the checkout counter. And use the spare time to pray for patience. (laughs) If you want to develop joy, take one day a week to celebrate. Do you know that in the Bible, God commands more feasts than fasts? God loves a party. Take one day a week to practice joy. Eat the foods that bring you joy. Be with the people that bring you joy. If someone wants to meet with you that doesn't bring you joy that day, you just say to them, I can't meet with you. It's my joy day. Tomorrow, (laughs) practice joy. If you want to develop love, pick one person that you have a hard time loving and between now and Easter, pray for them every day. For advanced loving, once a week, do something for their benefit. Between now and Easter, let's connect with Jesus, renew our minds, and practice just one fruit of the Spirit so that we can be transformed. I have a friend who could basically be described as a playboy. He spent a lot of time in bars. He picked up on a lot of different women. But he was also a Christian, and the gap between what he believed and what he was doing began to bother him. He also noticed that he was developing an alcohol problem. So after one night when he ended up going home with one woman, even though he was dating another, he decided he needed to make some changes. So he went to his Bible study and told them all about his problems with alcohol and sexual misbehavior, and and they began to pray for him and began to hold him accountable. And then he went to an AA meeting to deal with his alcohol problem. And he said the first time he stood up in an AA meeting and said, Hello, my name is so-and-so, and I am an alcoholic. He said that was the first time he really understood the gospel. He said, always before, it had been head knowledge. Yeah, yeah, Jesus loves me. But he said in that moment, when he stood up in that AA meeting, head knowledge became heart knowledge. And he knew that in spite of everything he had done wrong, in spite of all the ways he had messed up, Jesus loved him and was going to transform him by the power of Jesus. In fact, he says that now he thinks that 
Every Sunday morning, church should begin with everyone standing up and saying, Hello, my name is so-and-so and I am a sinner. I think that would be a great way to start church. I could start, I could come out every Sunday and I could say, Hello, my name is Scott and I'm a sinner. And you could all say, Hi, Scott. <laughs> I think that would be a great liturgy. Well, the more he experienced God's love, the more he began to change. And the more he realized that he hadn't been loving people very well. So one of the things he did was he called up every woman he had ever picked up on, invited them out to lunch, and when he got to lunch, he said to them, I want to apologize to you because I have not treated you as a daughter of God. And I'm so sorry. He did that with every woman he'd ever picked up on. Today, he doesn't drink anymore. He's been dating the same woman for two years. They're probably going to get married. Spends a lot of time in prayer, a lot of time serving others. He's become a more compassionate person. In fact, just a couple of months ago, he was he asked someone, how are you doing? And they said, fine. And then they changed the subject. And he said, no, no, I have a girlfriend now. And she's taught me how to listen. How are you really doing? <laughs> that was a guy that said that. He's a changed person. When he experienced God's love and began to offer not just his thoughts, but his whole life, his hands, his feet, you know what he drank? When he connected with Jesus, when he pushed back against the culture that was pushing on him, when he renewed his mind and practiced the fruits of the Spirit, he was transformed. Now, I don't know how this will translate into action in your life. Maybe it's some habitual sin that is crippling you. God invites you with his help, and maybe the help of a Christian friend, to give it up so you can know his freedom. Maybe it means carving out some time in your week to devote to God and to family and to friends. Maybe it's as simple as serving someone that you don't love or driving in the slow lane to develop patience. Whatever it is for you, let's be transformed. And don't worry that you can't do it perfectly. None of us can, right? That's the problem with living sacrifices. They keep crawling off the altar. Wake up. But you know what? I've said this before. The mark of a Christian is not perfection. It's progress. And with Jesus Christ, we can make progress. I love the way Eugene Peterson translates his verses. He says, In view of all that God has done, take your life, your ordinary, sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and give it all to God. And let him use you. So that instead of being conformed, you'll be transformed to be like Jesus. And the hymn we're about to sing, I think, says it better than anything. Lord, in view of all you've done for me, take my life and let it be consecrated to you. Take my hands and let them move only at the impulse of your love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for you. Take my moments, take my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Lord Jesus, we want to be walking worship for you. We want everything we do to point to you. We want everything we do to come from you. Lord, we want to be changed people. We want to be just like you. We want it more than anything else. And Lord, we know that we can't do it without your, your help. So Lord, please, by the power of your spirit, begin to change us to look like you so the world will know that you're alive. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.